Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. can only mean one thing. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuning into another episode of the Larkcast. What's up, Russ? Dude, I'm doing, man. I'm doing good. It's good been a weekend, you, man. Good to it see has you. been a weekend. I had a weekend too. Yeah, can I man. tell you about my weekend? Nope. Okay. Nice. Just kidding. I want to yeah. hear all about it. As we know, we have a friend near me. Um, she'll go unnamed, but she's near and dear to Lark and she's single. I had to like a number of single people get on these dating apps and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she meets people like all over the the country. So it's long distance relationships. Sometimes it's really complicated. So anyways, uh, she's in our community. We have a number of people, you know, out here that we gather with and our friends with and all that, you know, like the church where I live, since she doesn't have any family, it's like whenever she meets a dude, it's like, okay, I have my family in Wisconsin, but like, if you're going to like pass this thing and we're going to take this next step, you got to meet my Northwest Indiana family. Yeah. And <laughs> so I, I'm on the list of people that definitely need to meet this dude. And as it should, our friend, as it should our friend Johnny is also on that list. So, man, I smoked five whole chickens, rubbed them down, smoked them in my smoker, you know, prepared a bunch of food. The whole crew knows the game, dude. Like everyone's bringing sides and drinks and stuff like that. And uh, this uh, this dude shows up and he's a he's a Ph.D. from Alabama. OK. <laughs> and uh, if you know anything about Ph.D.'s. Um, which I'm not saying I'm an expert in that world, but um, they're super smart mm -hmm. um, and they've, you know, clearly studied a lot and um, doing pretty well, like in their respective fields, but socially they struggle a little bit. PhDs <laughs> do. Yeah. Socially, socially they struggle just, uh, just, a uh, just a scotch, <laughs> a hair. <laughs> this is your this is your conclusion. Keep going. <laughs> so, dude, you've been to my house, man. We'll be packing out. This poor dude walks in. <laughs> just a bunch of smoked meat, food, a house full of people, and everybody's just dying to meet this dude. And this let's just say this dude did not pass the test at all. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> this dude did not pass the test. And the only that's not the where only, I thought it was moving to. No, no. Yeah. The dude did uh he struggled a bit. In fact, at one time he went to the bathroom and I counted it, dude. He was in there for 15 minutes. And wow. I don't think it was like an IBS thing. I think it was like, holy cow, dude. Like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> I need to take a break from this for a minute. <laughs> Man, so you have man. so you have the people there that are just like casual just trying to meet him you know 
sparked up conversation. And then the ones that like the girlfriends that want to kind of like really talk to them, you know, and ask them questions. And bro, my man was not, was not engaging. Now, granted, it's a hard context to, to pull into. Um, and overwhelming for, for most people. Um, yeah. but yeah, this isn't going to work out. This ain't the one. Yeah. But just so you know, like, you know, me, I can be, you know, somewhat intimidating a house full of people. You're the only one that doesn't know anybody. And then of course you have Johnny who's just like, you know, he'll probably have his shirt off, you know, halfway <laughs> into the, <laughs> halfway into the night. <laughs> What asking you to shotgun beers in my garage? <laughs> this is the so, best. This so the that best. so that was on Saturday night, and then yesterday, um, our good friend Mike Mansfield, um, who's you know part of the community out here, he's a lark. Um, in fact, one of my uh, I have a lot of your tattoos I really really like, but the one that Mike did on you with the um, yeah the dead hand this which is going to play into this episode it's a just describe your your tattoo because i love the concept of it yeah man it's uh it's a dead hand right skeleton hands you know holding a full house man it's that idea of just religion at its core right we, we've got this idea that we're supposed to be bringing our a game constantly mm -hmm. this is what god desires this is what he needs of us and by doing so we become the people he can use in the world and uh, the more I studied the scriptures, the more I found that actually it was death that Jesus has invited us into. It's mm -hmm. in losing that we live. It's in falling, yes. right, that we're free. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, man, I want to I do a piece that's, that's about the, it, 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 it's capturing this religious desire to bring your A game, mm -hmm. but also showcasing that God's never asked for that because you can't play that because dead people don't play poker. Yeah. And uh, Mike did that tattoo for me. And it's, yeah, it's my favorite one by far. Yeah. It's so dope. So our friend, Mike, he has um, th him and Elena are having their fourth child and he has three boys. And so they're finally getting a girl and they're naming her uh, Etta. Mm, um, that's after, awesome. uh Etta James. And they're like huge into music. And um, so we had a little diaper party for my buddy, Mike. And, you know, he works at a tattoo shop. So, dude, it's yeah. like it's like the Northwest Indiana riffraff over there, dude, you know. The <laughs> we, de we decked it out. Um, we had, like, decorations where you can, like, build your own, you know, kind of like, you know, whatever lettering. It could be, like, happy birthday, you know, Susie or whatever. So we did nice shot, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and... um so in the diaper party, someone brought adult diapers. And I would say about, I would say, I wouldn't even say halfway through the party or three quarters of the way, or even towards the tail end. I'm talking like first 20 minutes. Our friend Johnny had all of his clothes off except his underwear and was putting these adult diapers on. <laughs> Outside, like a 50 degree day. Which for us is like, yo, dude, it's summer, it's summer. basically, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, from there, everyone else was, you know, found the courage to do the same. But no, it was just a really cool, a really cool mm. moment, man, to to celebrate him. Um, so we had to punk this PhD dude, you know, and protect our our friend um, on Saturday. And then we celebrated our homie on 
on Sunday with a with a diaper party, and it was pretty pretty fantastic. So I had a great weekend. Yeah, that 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 sounds like a Larkfield weekend right there, man. Yes, yes, it was very, it was very Larkish. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes somebody like, yeah, man, like, what do you guys do for 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 church, man? What do you do? Like, what does what does the weekend entail? It's like <laughs> it's well, the order of service. It's a lot of uh, it's 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 a lot of not taking yourself too seriously. Yes. And inviting the people around you to stop taking themselves so seriously. Because the gospel isn't something, because it's news, that you commit to. It's actually something you celebrate. And the more you learn to celebrate it in and through the everyday real things of life, like friendship and a friend having a baby or or uh, vetting a future boyfriend, right, of a, of, a, of a lady in your community that you care dearly for. Yes. Um, smoked meat. Laughter. Um, these things. This... Sometimes a little tomfoolery. Yeah, man. Yeah. You need the tomfoolery. You need the Johnnies of the world to yes. sometimes have the courage to impart courage to the rest of the crew, right? And I think that's what larks do, man. You know, I think that's something that we little little pastor transition moment here oh yeah i'm here for it as the lark ministry we come along and impart that courage Mm -hmm. so you can begin to celebrate your way through life and invite others into that joy Mm -hmm. and um but i will say this man that i think the, the 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 message that we're about to unpack here today from reclaim chapter two something we've been podcasting through if you're new our flagship resource we're in chapter two today and that name of that chapter is the cross yes the cross man this this for me is that linchpin that really opens up the floodgates into this life that you see in jesus and i feel like he's invited us into this unplanned right way of life this Mm -hmm. way of unconditional grace and love and acceptance and Mm-hmm. The life that flows from that, man, it hinges on an understanding of what he's done on the cross that, and for me, actually undoes everything I learned in Christianity. Everything. Yeah. Everything I learned in Bible college, seminary, 15 years of pastoring, planting churches. Um, I can honestly say I was carrying an understanding of the cross in and through all of that that was very fitting to the culture and led to a lot of success in the church world and accolades only to find myself face down and going, wow. Yeah. I, uh, I missed, I missed that. Yeah. And that's where we're going today, man. Yeah. And I think our, our talk today and, and chapter two in reclaim, um, the way I was kind of thinking about it, prepping for this is, um, I think the world at large, like longs for God to show up. They want to see him. Yeah. They would love to experience him. They would love something to anchor, you know, um, you know, their, their hearts to, and we know that in Jesus, God did show up, mm. but it w- was not at all the way in which anyone expected and the way in which he showed up is forever going to be a stumbling block to those who want to f- imagine themselves as winners as those who want yeah, to imagine dude. themselves as as alive because god did show up in christ and there was a cross 
and there was a death, which is at the heart of how God has loved and reconciled the world and also the heart of the invitation that he's inviting us to um, come into fellowship with him through death. And since the cross, we have all historically struggled with the way in which God showed up in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's something that you know, definitely his culture wasn't grabbing onto. I mean, especially the religious crowd, like the people who had studied the scriptures, the people who were prepped, the people who were most ready and constantly thinking and talking about who this Messiah would be and what he would be like, would recognize him when he shows up. Jesus is like, yeah, that actually didn't happen at all. He shows up and none of them, right. none of them recognize that this is God in the flesh in and among us. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, dude, you're spot on. They they weren't expecting it. And, you know, what I'd like to do is I think I'm just going to read a section, dude, from Reclaim chapter two, like right out of that. Because I feel like for me, this is what this is. On one hand, you could see it as almost like insignificant to the chapter. Like it's kind of just setting a stage. But I feel like it's actually far more than that. It's it's actually the heart of it. The more I go back and, and read it. But there's a section in the book where it says ISO, right? Like in search of wonder working Messiah with military experience. <laughs> like this is, right? This is what we have in mind. This is what, what we're looking is, for. What he's going to show up and do and how he works in the world. And and uh, it says this. It says, these believers referring to what's going on here. It says, long for the coming of the Messiah and held to the scriptures like Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 or 7. For a child has been born for us. A son is given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. Mm. He will establish and uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time onward and forevermore. Mm. So... We went on to write this, that after a prolonged years of waiting, this promised son finally came, okay, that they were reading about in Isaiah. It was God himself who eventually showed up in the person of Jesus and announced in Mark chapter one, for the kingdom of God is at hand right here, right before you, right under your nose. Finally, they thought, <laughs> game on. God has come to rescue us from Rome's oppression and make the world straighten up and fly right. Mm-hmm. Even John the Baptist whose mission in life was to prepare the way for the Messiah, rejoiced at his coming by telling people that Jesus had come to separate the good from the bad and to judge with fire. We find that in Matthew chapter 3. They couldn't wait to get back to the way it was under King David, an independent and free nation with a powerful military. Mm. But, and there's a but, when Jesus came into the scene, none of those things appeared to happen. None of them. Jesus seemed to actually be very content in restoring sight to the blind, healing those from lame who were lame, cleansing lepers, raising the dead, and preaching good news to all people. At first, it appeared that Jesus was bringing this kingdom using the power of miracles, you could say. Mm-hmm. Early in his ministry, it seemed like he he healed everyone that he came across. Demons and diseases were no match for him, all right? This is what drew the crowds and made him famous. News of this miracle worker even made its way to Herod the Great, right? Now, this was the kind of power that people craved and still do, all right? Still do. Perhaps you think Jesus could have fixed our broken world and the people within it by setting up a miracle shop 
at the main intersection between Judea and Galilee. He could book healing appointments back to back every day for the rest of his life. The toothache cured at 9 a.m. in the morning, a broken finger at 9.15, a limp leg healed at 9.30, and sight restored at 10. Sounds good until you realize there wouldn't be enough time in the day to see everyone. After these healings, more issues of the flesh would inevitably arise. Even those that he raised from the dead, yeah, they, uh, they died again. By emphasizing signs and wonders, people would miss the essence of their actual need, which is reconciliation. Hmm. You see, eventually, Jesus began withdrawing from the crowds who sought him only for what he could give them. And before long, the miracles almost ceased altogether, mm -hmm. right? All of this non-intervention left John the Baptist, who was in prison at the time, basically doubting if Jesus was really the one from God who would come and get the job done. He yeah. even sent messengers to Jesus asking if he should begin looking for another Messiah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so here's the point. Those wanting swift cleansing of the world ended up disappointed mm -hmm. those who wanted a, a messiah with military experience and a plan those who wanted a miracle shop both camps both camps disappointed yeah. so i'll just end with this at the end of all of jesus's traveling teaching miracles and subsequent death and resurrection he simply disappeared right <laughs> literally ascending into heaven seemingly leaving behind no kingdom to provide rescue for the world that they could grab onto, hold tangibly, or even begin to bring about control in their lives or the or the lives of other people. Mm -hmm. And man, like that's like right there to be toward, you know, at the beginning of chapter two. And I just love that because it it just really starts to take these boxes that you've brought into the equation and just just starts to explode them. You know, it's like yeah, just breaking them down immediately. Like, yeah, yeah. what we're bringing, yeah, it's not what he's offering. And John the Baptist, I love that example in particular, because here you have a dude who it says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, whose sandals yeah. I'm unfit to tie. Um, he must increase. I must decrease. Looks at all of his disciples and says, stop following me and come follow. Go follow this guy right here. Mm -hmm. And dude, you don't get, you know, eight chapters later you know, into 11 or 10 or whatever it is, he's in jail. And he literally sends a messenger like, Hey, should we start to look for somebody else? Because you're not checking my boxes for this mm -hmm. kind of predetermined resume that I had for what, who the Messiah is going to be. Yep. And so there is, there is a wisdom of the world. There is a way in which we view um, success yeah. um progress and jesus didn't check any of those boxes at all in fact we go into the chapter um with a a, a martin luther example um a paradigm he came up with called right-handed versus left-handed power and yeah. we want right-handed power right-handed power is simple a to b right like a mm -hmm. way of attacking an issue um if I need a cobweb, right, removed from the corner of the ceiling in my living room, right, I just grab a little Swiffer, I go and do it. If I need something cleaned up, I do it. If my, one of my kids is not behaving right, I go and I have a conversation with them about it. 
you know, whatever it is like right A to B, just go handle it in my own resources, in my own ability. I go and take care of that thing. And that's what they wanted from him. They wanted right-handed power, a visible display of power so that they can see um, progress, um, movement, salvation, even, and how they were maybe framing salvation as this like geopolitical, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, We need to get out from underneath Rome's power. We need to be a sovereign, powerful nation with land and buildings and money and uh, in an army. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, Jesus had something much different in mind. Yeah. And it, I mean, I love that. It just doesn't compute because the right hand of power, like you said, man, that that's what we understand. Swift acts where you make something happen. Yep. And I love the way that, you know, Capen described it. He goes like, it totally makes sense. And he, he says, I understand why we all grasp for it so much. The problem is when it comes to a loving relationship, if it's a relationship centered on love that you want, right-handed power is useless. Mm-hmm. It's useless. In fact, it will only work against it. So it seems God has something very different in mind of what he desires of the creation that he made and mm-hmm. what he made it for than yeah. what we think he made it for and what he wants of us to come into that relationship or to bring it about into right. the world. Like how many times, and I know this because, you know, we've talked and, you know, we, we you and I pastored in, you know, Western normative, you know, churches for a long time. And mm-hmm. you thought it was your job just like handle everything. You know, the, the, the greatest height of it is, was like, you know, this church discipline thing where, you know, you bring these people through this, this thing to kind of finally get them to, you know, repent of their, their ways. And I think in, with a, with a good heart, with a heart that wants to fix a thing, we confronted people, you know, Mm -hmm. um, said hard things, even like, look at it with like your kids or your wife, you could get, you could get something done. You could definitely get someone to move away from, you know, a certain behavior, but the human heart is a complicated thing and relationships are a very, very complicated thing. And God in his wisdom (laughs) figured out a way to reconcile all of humanity without completely wiping us all off of the face of the earth. Yeah, man, the, uh, the, the understanding of the difference in that power, I think is, is just, it's, it's vital in a sense. It's, it's paramount to understanding relationship and how that actually comes about and how it's sustained. And it's not like it's something that was foreign, I feel like, to the disciples. It was probably foreign to them prior to Jesus showing up, but it became evident to them in their journey with him because Jesus began speaking about that. He spoke about it plainly, honestly, openly, okay, yeah. about why he came into this world, right? Even got rebuked so, for it. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, you've talked about it a lot, right? I mean, Peter, what, what does Peter say when Jesus is like? Basically yeah, like, hell no, like you're not <laughs> dying. What? Like, yeah. Uh, Messiahs don't die. God forbid it. Right. I mean, that's, that's literally what he's probably says. even stronger than a hell no. Yeah. And I understand where, you know, Peter's coming from, man. Like most people, you know, he's bent. Let me just back that up. Like all people he's bent toward the winner circle, this imaginary winner circle that we yes. have in life. And so the disciples didn't understand or believe Jesus's announcement. But I mean, you can even find it like in Matthew 16, it shows up so plainly right there where Jesus plainly tells them, listen, guys, um, 
you know, I've been showing you all these things, but I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and on the third day be raised. Mm -hmm. Everything I'm doing is on my way to a cross. Yep. Because it's there and there alone that a few things will ultimately happen. Yeah. And they are the ultimate things in this whole equation. Mm hmm it's uh and there's and there's something about there's something about dying and, and you, at this point you can get into like a lot of you know atonement you know theories mm -hmm. um you know whether it's you know um you know Christus Victor you know he overcame right. you know sin satan the flesh um the world um you know, Jesus, you know, died, you know, as a, as a punishment, you know, for, um, our sin, you know, that you, right. you need a blood sacrifice, you know, to atone, um, for your sin, but there's, and I think that, that, you know, all those things kind of touch on, you know, various, various aspects of, of that thing. But I think there's something, if you, if you, tie the nature of what God's invited us into this idea of faith. Um, when we get down to like trusting him, mm -hmm. um, there's something about faith that is, that equates to dying itself. In fact, Jesus was pretty clear. Um, you know, whoever loses his life will gain, you know, his life talked about right. dying a lot of like imagery of a seed going into the ground death resurrection yep. and we want resurrection we want the joys of resurrection and victory without death yeah yeah that's a great way to put it i think that's probably why they wrestled man uh, the winter circle doesn't there's losing has no part in it right mm -hmm. in fact if you know, if if we're gonna lose, it's it's all built into any movie, right? Any that we've ever watched, any book that we've ever read, like just story in nature. Like if yeah, you're you're there's some losing that goes on, but it's all because it's just building you up so that you can then be the winner, so that you can come out on top. And what Jesus, I think, just continually unveils, which I know we'll definitely get into more uh, next week, man, as we as we press into chapter three. But it's that. No, losing is the point. Yeah. It's in my losing that I'll be raising humanity into the very purpose it was made for, mm -hmm. a relationship with God. I've came to give my life as a ransom, he says in Mark 10. I've come to die, right? My mission isn't a miracle shop. My mission isn't a, a better military my mission isn't helping you establish institutions like what we've come up with in the name of church and government and all these other things, right? To, to better the world. None of those things will work because humanity needs resurrection, not reform. Yeah. And I think that's what they weren't grasping. And I also think you can fast forward the last 2000 years and it's what none of us seem to, you know what I mean? To grab onto. It's almost... It's like a, it's like a kryptonite, you know what I mean? It's like there's mm -hmm. this thing in us. It's just it's like it's repulsive, yeah, right. Like because it, it, 
it requires you to identify with a cross. Yeah. It requires you to identify with the dead body of, of Jesus, the, the shamed, yeah. naked, dead body of Jesus. And no one wants to face that about themselves. And so I've seen, you know, we've seen Christianity flip the cross to be a thing of, yes, it is a thing of victory, but we almost use it as this like mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. This kind of like power that is going to, you know, transform us and make us into better people. And the cross is kind of like the starting point. Grace is like the starting point. And we want to get onto this victorious lifestyle. And we think that God came to kind of like overcome our humanity or grow us past right. our failures um, or boost us past our inadequacies. When in fact, the story of the cross is him saying, I love you right where you are. Yeah. I will come and I, you want to hear, I'll show you a picture of humanity. I'll come and meet you where you are. Here's my understanding of the whole thing is death. Yeah. Yeah. And in, 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 in a very, man, like almost like divine way. That's the mm -hmm. very place where he's requiring us and asking us to meet him is in our death. But the pride, right. Of humankind, the pride of humanity um, to even, to even take the cross and like maybe have a moment, right. Of realizing it like, Hey, we can never be perfect. You know, like, yeah, Jesus died for us. And we, you know, all he really requires is that we just try our best every day. Yeah. We can't be perfect. Just try your best, you know, yeah. every day. And it's like, dude, what a, I just, what a, what a, what a gross misinterpretation of that mm -hmm. thing. We're his kids. He loves us and all of our frailty and all of our unwisdom, even all the good that we try to do that needs to be crucified too. That needed to be died for too. Our religion needed to be crucified. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what he submits himself to, right? You know, like there's so many factors that play into the cross. I mean, there's just no way to get into all of it, right? On a yeah. podcast. So if you're listening in and you're new to this, we definitely invite you to go to Amazon and uh, type in reclaim Johnson or Sorcy grab a copy of the book because there's just so much more that we can say there, but that, you know, with that in mind, just hear me out on this. You've got, you, you've got, a, you've got God becoming flesh and showing up and dwelling in and among us. He's undoing all the paradigms we have of what God is like. I would honestly tell you right now that I am more convinced than I've ever been that at the heart, at the core, at the foundation of all human disintegration, okay? The disintegration in our own lives, the dismantling that we participate in of other people's lives, at the heart of all of that is a misunderstanding of what God our Father is like. Mm -hmm. Not seeing him for who he is and who we are in him leads to every form of unbelief and destructive behavior and all that flows from it, dude. And I think that's what Jesus is ultimately doing is he's showing he's showing up as we've already talked about in the last episode, Colossians one, he is the image of the invisible God. Mm -hmm. This God that you fear, the one that you've run from the one that you that you hide from. Yeah. You ever notice how people have like this hard time when you have conversations with them about God, but they're all like real open to Jesus. 
You know, it's like, God, that God, the father guy. Yeah. Jury's out on that one, bro. But mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. I'm down with Jesus, man. Let's I'm, I'm down to talk about Jesus because of all these things that I've heard. And it's like, well, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. He's creator, sustainer. We talked about it in the last episode, but and on the cross, what I think he goes on to do is that's where he reconciles us to the father. In other words, he, he helps us see that this religion that we've grabbed onto and all of its forms and fashions, all these things that we pursue, that we're supposed to be all the things that we've ran from. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all the different experiments that we put in place around that, he just comes and submits himself to all of that sin, mm-hmm. right? He dies. He takes all of that. We've done all of our unbelief, all this, like just self-reliance, man, that runs in our veins, mm-hmm. he just takes it all unto himself and submits himself and says, you know what, that, that, that cross where like that, that is the pinnacle of religion. And I'm going to submit myself to it. I'm going to, I'm going to show you where your religion actually leads. It kills God when he shows up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, when we went to go visit Kruger in Mississippi, one of, one of the most fascinating moments, the thing that stuck with me the most was his telling of the story of Abraham, because I think it fits into this. Mm. And he was like, do you remember like Abraham was Cal, I think it was Chaldean, right? I mean, like yeah. just a pagan people, dude, like child sacrifice was like the thing, yep. like the idea of God really that we all have that we need to sacrifice to keep appeasing, right? Mm-hmm. This God. And so when he shows up to Abraham, he goes, here's what I want you to do with your firstborn son. I want you to take him up to this mountain. I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I know this. I'm familiar with this understanding yep. of God. This is actually very much fits in to my theological filing, you know, understanding system here. Um, this God wants me to go sacrifice my kid. He had done it and participated in it. Right. And watch yep. other people do it uh, numerous times. So he goes up to this mountain thinking that he needs to make this kind of sacrifice to be included with this kind of God. Now, normally how it's spun is look at the faith of Abraham. He took it all the way to the 11th hour, the last moment, and God honored his faith. When in fact, God was taking Abraham to the top of that mountain to show him and teach him, I'm different than the God that you're used to. Yeah, I don't require sacrifice of you in a way to earn your good graces in my fellowship. I'm going to do this on my own and in my own son to show you that I've invited you into a life of faith. I do the doing. I do the doing. I do the doing. Faith connects us to the one who did the doing. Yep. Yeah. He does the doing there. And then you go on and you see this covenant with him and Abraham and knowing Abraham could never keep his part of the deal or not either could any yes. other human being. He <laughs> removes him from it. And once again says, I do the doing. And then hey, Abraham- you want to make a covenant. Okay. Yeah, sure. Cool. Let's do it. Cool. Let's line up all the animals. Let's split them in half and make this pathway. Oh, by the way, I'm just going to just cause you to fall asleep. And I'm just going to walk through this thing by myself. Yeah. To show you that it's a promise I'm making to the world, yeah. a promise I'm going to fulfill. This is not a two way street 
This is the one way love of God. And even later on, when Abraham just completely goofs on all that, man, I mean, this is a guy who pours out his wife to save his own <laughs> neck. Yes. Not just once, but twice. Then in not trusting that God would provide him with a son, goes on and sleeps with his slave. So I'm just saying, so even after all of that, there's still a breakdown on Abraham's part. And what does God do? God does the doing. He gives him a son. Mm -hmm. And I think we can find this God showing up throughout all the Old Testament, but then he becomes flesh and allows himself to show how much he really loves us all the way to the point of letting our religion kill him. Mm -hmm. The cross yep. is not about making us lovable, in my opinion. The cross is not about what we go and do to prove our love. It's not a tag your it. It's not a, here's the best example, boys. Try to make it happen. Yeah. Right? The cross is, is, is God declaring, this is how much I love you. Yeah. It changes our minds mm -hmm. about him. It's not something Jesus had to, to go through to change his mind about us. Dude, that, right. that flips all of our religion, yep. man, and all the ugliness that all flows out of it. It takes it all, man. It just turns it on its head. Yep. We, we wrote it this way in Reclaim. It says that on the cross, Jesus announced that his father's dealings with the sin problem of this world are finished. It's in John 19. Remember earlier I was saying there's a few elements to this. That's This is that other part. There is a dealing with the sin problem of the world. There is a dying for it, right? Mm -hmm. There's a taking all of us into himself down into that grave. And that is what Jesus does. Jesus's words of assurance that it is finished means just that. Everything that ever needed to be done and would ever need to be done by us to be reconciled to God has been done. Mm -hmm. Neither you nor anyone else can mess up or undo this work because, well, it's finished. It's why we refer to the sufferings of Jesus as good news, meaning it happened. The historical nature of it is what makes it news. The work of Jesus was never meant to be an inspirational model that you adopt and apply to your life. It was indeed a single act of love that reconciled the cosmos, Colossians chapter one. Mm -hmm. It was a left-handed act. I love this. So subversively powerful that evil itself cannot reverse it. Yep. It was a left-handed act so powerful that no one will ever need to do a single religious act or lift a single religious finger ever again to live in the freedom that is found in our King. Mm -hmm. Yep. Dude. Now we and, get why Paul says, I sought to know nothing among you, but Christ and him crucified. And him crucified. Yeah. Yep. That's it. And we take it and we want to turn it into an inspirational model. We want to use it as a tool. Yeah. Um, and in in so doing, it, it, come, it comes across, our religion, it comes across so good and so moral. And that's the tricky thing about religion. Yeah, is there's a lot of good in it, but it, like in Galatians, like what he says is, you know, dude, this thing is not circumcision or uncircumcision. Yeah, it's not religion or or irreligion. It's neither of those things. God mm. 
chose a third way, another way, a left-handed way. Yeah. And we always constantly want to draw it back into the right-handed model. Yeah, I think that's just, that's the temptation, man. It just seems to be forever there. You know, the the religious nature in you is always going to be drawn to the religious noise around you. And so you're always, it's just, it's, it's just in us, man. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just the thing I despise, I feel like the most. And it's in me, just to be clear. But it's it's like you grab onto this news and you rejoice in it. But then five minutes later, there's this, again, that anxiety creeps up in you. And you're like, ah, oh, but I got to, you know what I mean? And we just find some way that we got to justify ourselves as if the cross has not already fully accomplished that for the world. But Jesus' announcement, it is finished. Yeah. We'll even go back to Peter's um, interaction you know, where Jesus like really speaks plainly. I need to go, I need to go and die. Yeah. And he says, God forbid it. And Jesus turns and says like, get behind me, Satan. Just a second before that, he announced the most theologically accurate statement about who the son was. Mm. Right. Yep. It's the, the, um, the exact quote is, um, is escaping me, but he gave this like beautiful theological statement like this really nice systematic nice and tight you're from the father you're equal with the father you're the son yep. of god right and he goes yeah flesh and blood did not reveal that to you but my father who's in heaven and then a second later he's like what a cross no and so you can be you can be theologically astute yeah dude Great you point. can have all the boxes checked you can have all the good intentions of the world, and there is something about the cross that will contend. Mm. And, um, man, even uh, I'm trying to think of a like a strong word, like not even contend, but there is something that needs to be dismantled. There's something that needs to be yeah. crucified, murdered inside of us, and it is this desire we have to do good, to be good, to rise, to ascend. Mm. Um, and it's pretty wild to see the church just grab onto, you know, right-handed, you know, theology, ascending, getting better, constantly progressing, and then using the cross as a tool when it was an announcement of something altogether different. He's inviting us into a life of faith, dumb, simple trust of just saying yes to him, something that's been done. It's so not 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 a life of not a life of toil and something that needs to be done. Okay, not a, not a life of doing in regards to like fixing, managing, measuring, mapping ways forward, all the progress, performance. You know, we've talked about it a million times. Um, we're going to be doing something, but that doing is going to be violent. That doing that life in front of us, it, it's 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 going to be the opposite of everything that's in us. Mm-hmm. it's going to be, but the, the beauty is it's, it's in the, the tension of that, right. That we see what he's like and we keep seeing what he's like and we keep learning to trust. Okay. And what he's done. And I feel like maybe there's this point, man, that we get to where we really do start to live like kids again. I don't, I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember as a kid, like, you know, we, we, we all grew up in homes and I mean, we're human beings, right? So there's always some element of dysfunction, no matter what. 
But the one thing I never wondered about, man, like even in all my rebellion and struggles, you know, with my own dad, I, I never doubted that he loved me, man. I never wondered if he was going to be home when I got home. I never worried that he wasn't going to be there, man. Like when shit hit the fan mm -hmm. and he, he was, and I just remember as a kid, like you just kind of got to relax and live and play. And you always were like, just sort of like living in this moment. And it seemed to all flow out of this assurance. It wasn't a life of toil. It was, it was a life that flowed out of trust. Mm -hmm. Your your world, right, was basically for me. It was my home. Everything flowed from that point forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens, man, when we put the cross in the right place. Because it's always getting crucified between the two thieves of pride and pity. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be our story. But if we can just let it be what it is. This is God showing up and dealing with the sin problem of the world. He dies for the rebels. That's the kingdom ethic. If you need an ethic, <laughs> that's the king. That's the kingdom ethic. God shows up and dies for the rebels of his, who have all been against his kingdom. He does something in history. It's a left-handed act of power that evil and the devil itself can never undo. Yeah. You can't put Jesus back in a tomb. No, Nope. It nope. is finished. It and is finished. that's chapter two of Reclaim. Man, good chat. I just want to encourage everyone. Um, grab Reclaim. Hop on Amazon. Yeah. Grab it. Um, if you don't have the $16, just reach out to us. We'll send you the PDF. Um, yeah. Please do. Email us. We'll do Reclaim's not making anybody rich. No. I wish it did. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, but because uh, if there's one thing we've learned, you can't get rich off of a theology of grace and it is finished. You can get rich yeah. off of being a spiritual guru, a church guru. Yeah. yeah, if we got on here and talked about the cross as, uh, you know, the starting point, inspiration, something we need to be worthy of, something we should be worthy of, be grateful for this. This is how you do so. And here's three steps to go forward. Yeah, people. People love that. I love that because we love handles because they offer us a sense of control. But if you're looking for the life that Jesus offers, that unplanned freedom, that that lark of grace that we talked about at the beginning of this, where you get to go to diaper parties as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that entails seeing the cross for what it is. Yeah. And that's the point where God reconciled all things. It says Colossians 1.20, making peace by the blood of his cross mm. it is finished you are loved period amen do that cheers to that cheers till next time